you adopt an animal, you're saving two lives. The one that you are adopting and also the one that can now come in and take over that space. Welcome to Paw Prints in Pink Sand, a podcast by Bermuda SPCA. My name is Kate Tessera, I'm the Executive Director of the Bermuda SPCA. And today I'm chatting to our two inspectors, Shannon Dennis and Herb Marshall. Welcome. Hi. Hey. (laughs) So we decided on this platform as it gives a great opportunity to share a more in-depth insight to the Bermuda SPCA. And to start off with, Herb is our newest team member and can tell us a little more about yourself. Uh, Yeah, hi. Um, I started working with animals when I was 18. Um, It's been a little while. I started off as a dog groomer. I became a veterinary technician. I've worked 15 and a half years as an animal warden in Bermuda, and I am now an inspector at the SPCA. Brilliant. And Shannon? I've been at the SPCA for six years uh, today. This is my sixth anniversary. Yay! Yay! I originally started at the SPCA, a part-time animal care. Um, a full-time position opened up, and I took advantage of it. And then an animal welfare officer position opened up, and I moved more into the cruelty and welfare side of things. Uh, and then um, they were training me to become an inspector, and they actually bought an inspector down from the UK to train me. And um, here we are. Here we are indeed. So it's safe to say we have within the inspectorate team a great deal of um, wealth of knowledge. For sure. (laughs) Because you guys get to see and work in a lot of different fields, um, different species of animals that you work with. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us a bit more about um, those welfare Mm-hmm. I've had cases not only to deal with cats, uh, dogs, obviously those are the two main ones, uh, but we also have our farm animals, so goats, chickens, sheep. Um, I haven't done pigs yet. Um, we've also done horses, and um, I think that's about it. Oh, we've had a, a rescue for a turkey. I had to go get a turkey <laughs> once. Wow, okay. <laughs> did that actually come to the shelter? It did come to the shelter. It was uh, an interesting few weeks until we found it at home. (laughs) So we were able to rehome that. Yes. That's amazing. So um, when somebody in the community has um, a concern um, or a complaint, what is the process for that? You go onto our website, www.spca.bm, go under the report cruelty tab and you can report your uh, cruelty or your concerns that way. It is 100% confidential. Um, but obviously, the more information you can give us, the better, especially contact information for yourselves. Uh, just in case we have any follow-up questions, uh, they, it's just uh, helpful. Yeah, exactly. So from that point of view, obviously, we also work with a number of different agencies. Herb, can you give us a bit more information on that? Um, well, we work with um, the government animal wardens. Sometimes they'll call us to help potentially look into a case that they can't get to right away um, that may involve uh, cruelty, you know, or neglect. Um, we also deal with Cats Limited. Cats Limited? Yes, Cats Limited. Cats Limited Bermuda that basically deals with the feral cat situation on the island and sometimes they're in a situation where they need our assistance because they are 100% volunteer and have full-time jobs. So it's during the day they might give us a call and... See if we can assist pick up either an 
injured or sick cat, possibly a cat that has been hit by a car and has deceased, and we will go collect that as well. Right. So also with um, Cats Bermuda, we work with our, um, we have a fund that provides um, what we call catsnip, which provides financial assistance with spaying or neutering Mm -hmm. cats on the island. And that's not just feral cats, that will also support owned cats? It also supports owned cats. Uh, it's very important, obviously, to get your animals um, spayed or neutered. Uh, for the cats, it is, uh, they can, they reach sexual maturity at four months of age. Uh, the females can have two litters a year, um, at, you know, five kittens in a litter that can add up very quickly and become a major problem. Absolutely. So, when um, somebody, so we have that opportunity on our website for people to also um, apply for the cat snip as well through that. Um, we talked a little bit, so what we know within Bermuda, it's incredibly important to collaborate with different agencies. And as you've mentioned, we work alongside, but we do work, the SPCA, the Bermuda SPCA works under legislation. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us the difference and what we work under and what other agencies work under? We work under the Care and Protection of Animals Act 1975. Um, there's also the Dogs Act 2008. The animal warden is the one that actually can work under the Dogs Act, um, but they can also work under the Care and Protection of Animals Act. Our powers are strictly to the Care and Protection of Animals Act. The Bermuda SPCA. Yes. Okay. So the Dog um, Dogs Act and the Care and Protection Act, the animal wardens work under both of those. Yes. And the Bermuda SPCA just works under the Care and Protection. Yes. So can you both tell us a little bit more about some of those um concerns and complaints that we have to transfer over to the animal wardens. Yes. When a complaint comes in that is um, dealing mainly or concerning uh, pit bulls, um, there are uh, certain requirements that are need to be met to own a restricted breed and a pit bull does fall under the restricted breeds. Um, A lot of the complaints that come in, um, it's usually because they're on a chain or they're not um, secured in on the yard properly with the four-foot fencing uh, and, and little things like that. Unfortunately, the SPCA cannot enforce that. It has to go through the animal wardens. Okay. So if there is a concern about welfare... We can certainly go check on that. Okay. Okay. And it's important to understand that we um, always contact the animal wardens or do we ask the, the um, complainant? Uh, what we've been doing recently is that we will go out, we will assess the situation um, and look, on, look at it under the Care and Protection of Animals Act. And if it is something that we deem that is needed to be looked at under the wardens, we will contact the complainant and ask them to report it directly to the wardens. Uh, we do this so that if the wardens have any questions, they have the information and can contact the complainant for any additional information. Okay. So you've somebody has um, put a concern through our website, which you guys have taken on. What is, um, what is the process? What will your next steps be? Herb? <laughs> um, we will get as much information as we possibly can from the complainant. Um, and then we will go out and inspect the property, the situation, um, if it's a dog that, you know, there's no shade, no shelter, no food, no water, we'll go, we'll check it out. Um, under the current legislation, some of that can be a little dicey because shelter is actually not described uh, or specified. So 
sometimes when it's in a situation where we wouldn't keep our animals and the general public wouldn't keep theirs, it may fall under legislation, although it may be a boat that's turned upside down, it, that is considered shelter under the law currently. So we do have limits is what we can do, but we will do you know, what we can. If we have to leave a notice, we get to talk to the owners, try to do edu- you know, educate them how to better supply for the animal's needs um, and ask them if they need any assistance and how we can help them if they do. So, I mean, ultimately what we're not looking to do is, is go out with a preconceived idea. We are trying to work. Is that, is that right? Am I right in saying that? Yes. When we go out, we're not going out there to prove the complaint. Yes, that is absolutely correct. What the complaint is saying, we're going out there as objective uh, personnel that is that has to follow what is under legislation. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of what we do is we go out and ask, how can we help? Uh, previously, people, or I think actually they might still have the preconception that the SBCA shows up, they're going to seize my animals right away. We do not want to seize your animals. We absolutely do want to work with you and do our best to make sure that those animals can stay with you. Um, that does not go forever, um, we do need to see that the owner is trying to make changes and upkeep and everything that they need to do is being followed by our advice. So it's, you know, we, we sort of touched on it a little bit. So education is a huge part of what you guys are doing out in the community as well. Yes, education is a big, 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 we can't stress it enough. Um, we've also got our compassionate class program, which is going into targeting our schools. So we're um, targeting the youngsters coming up. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm currently dealing with a case. I can't go too much into it, but the first thing out of his uh, mouth when I said, you know, how can I help? Um, he said, what, you're just not going to take my animals. I said, no, not, not if you can, you know, bring the level of your care up and, you know, I'll work with you to make sure that you keep your animals. Yeah, absolutely. So ultimately, like you mentioned about our compassionate class, we obviously, you guys and the rest of the team here at the shelter also offer a lot of advice and support mm-hmm. to those that um, are looking for it. We obviously have our website mm-hmm. um, and our reading to rescues uh, where we have um, a sign up on our website as well, where you can sign up and come and, and read to the animals we have at the shelter. Um, with the um, advice, what else can, are we doing? I mean, we've talked a little bit, you mentioned about some of the collaborations what other areas are we able to assist with? We also assist. We have our food bank program. Uh, we did try and run it out directly out of the SBCA. Uh, we feel that it was it turned out more that people were either ashamed or worried that if they could not feed their dog themselves that we were going to take it mm-hmm. or, or their cat or any animal. That obviously isn't true. Uh, so Christchurch Warwick has a food bank program that they run for humans and they found that a lot of people were asking for extra plates of food for their dog or their cat or anything like that. So they reached out to us. So it, it became a perfect partnership. We send our donated dog food, cat food, any food that they ask for. We send it to them and they distribute it to us. You can still contact us directly for food and we deliver or you can pick it up. So um, one of the things we're talking about, obviously, and this is sort of <laughs> a bit of a tenuous segue, but Moving into the facility that we currently have here um, as our shelter, we do have um, the food bank, as you mentioned. It is quite tricky sometimes to um, house all of the food. So being able to share that with another um, charity or collaboration is really helping us in Mm -hmm. managing our space. 
Because we are really limited here. We sure are. Um, I think over the summer, did we have uh, 17 puppies alone Mm -hmm. for a shelter that only has nine kennels? Obviously, every room that had, you know, four walls and a door literally had an animal. We had a guinea pig in the hallway in a cage. Uh, We just, they were just all over the place. Yeah, which is not obviously ideal. I mean, we're, we're trying to work with what we have here. But as you mentioned, we have a aged facility. We also... Um, have over the, I would say over the last few years, recognized the need for our services to expand and change slightly. Um, I think one of the things that people have often thought with the SPCA is that we're a conveyor belt of animals that come mm-hmm. through here. And so we move, um, try and move them out quickly, but that's not true at all, is it? No, it's not true at all. Um, the animals that come in here are assessed um, for their both their physical and mental well-being um, and health. And any animal that needs physical treatment sees the veterinarians right away. Um, and that is dealt with. Mentally can look a lot different and it takes um, specific um, specific training to know what and how to administer treatment for their mental well-being, the stress, the anxiety, um, a lot of people just think that they're going to turn their animal in and it's going to be fine in our shelter. And an animal in home life is a lot different than an animal in shelter life. Um, a lot of animals are not used to other animals all around them. So it's a lot to deal with. And the people here at the shelter work really hard. The, tra- uh, the staff has been trained to um, not just deal with it, but to recognize what the animals are dealing with, the stress, their levels. And they worked with um, the puppies that Shalyn mentioned. All of the puppies were trained. They went to puppy daycare. They went to obedience classes. So a lot of the animals that we get, we actually try to really make sure that they are, you know, home ready when they leave. You mentioned um, about the socialization. I mean, one of the big things that we have found is the lack of socialization availability for animals for dogs but also for rabbits for cats it's it's become apparent that this isn't um on the island it isn't well known how important these areas are um to help our animals be uh community safe as well as um being able to be adopted easily within the community so from the point of view of training, you mentioned about our staff being trained, and that's been a huge part over the last few years of, of recognising the need for all our staff to be um, well-trained, um, evidence-based by professionals within the community who can assist us in that area. But also we talk about um, the training of, our, of the animals. And you mentioned about the socialisation, but what other areas in that are we working towards. So we are taking these, our dogs, particularly out into the community, um, to different events. We hold obviously our paws to the park, um, once or twice a year. Um, and, um, these events are important, not only for the community, but also for our own animals. So we were just talking earlier about education and the importance of it. And you also mentioned about the number of puppies that we had over the last, um, well, last year, really. I mean, we had an influx mm-hmm. for the last two years. It's been a lot. Um, but this summer we had um, 17 puppies, three litters that came in very quickly. Mm-hmm. But we also have had a huge influx of smaller animals. Yes, we have. A lot of them, um, um, a lot of rabbits, a lot of guinea pigs. 
A lot of the guinea pigs were trapped by uh, environmental protection down in St. David's. They brought them to us. Um, in the total of that one year, we had 38 guinea pigs come in. Now, just to give you a rough idea, uh, a female guinea pig gives, you know, her gestation is between 58 and 62 days. Um, right after birth, she could literally get pregnant again. Three weeks' time, those babies become sexually mature. So wow. you can see the explosion that is about to happen. Um, a lot of people are buying their um, guinea pigs from pet stores, for example. If they're in cages, they're very hard to um, to distinguish between male and female to begin with. So chances are they're in male and female together in the cages. And if you're getting a female, there's a good chance that she could be pregnant. Uh, a lot of the guinea pigs that were dropped off over that year that were found out in the wild the females were pregnant. So we had um, seven or eight, I believe, that were born here in the shelter. And we always talk about within the SPCA working towards spaying and neutering all the animals mm -hmm. that come, come through the shelter doors. Spaying guinea pigs is not an easy procedure. No, it's not easy. We do neuter the, uh, the male guinea pigs, uh, but a lot of our vets don't feel comfortable yet spaying the females. I know in other jurisdictions, they, the vets will do the females. Uh, so it's, it's something that you know, we're working on, but it can get very expensive. That one little guinea pig that's not even like a pound can still cost just as much as a, a dog. So we're talking around about $500, yes. anywhere between $400 to $600. And the rabbits also. Yes, the I rabbits mean, are the same, yeah. And we're finding, I mean, I mean we've talked about this um, internally a lot uh, within the staff, but we're getting phone calls about loose rabbits. Now, rabbits aren't, you know, we don't have wild rabbits really in Bermuda, do we? We didn't, but we are definitely on our way to. And they are extremely destructive to our farmers and their crops. Um, they will be costing Bermuda millions of dollars just for devastating a, a farmer's crop. That's incredible. So by with people bringing them to us, that's one thing, but obviously we need to be able to adopt them out. So mm -hmm. if we're not able to adopt them out, and we are so limited, we mentioned earlier about our um, facility, and we're so limited about the space that we have and the about how many animals we can actually have a duty of care for, mm -hmm. because we do have a capacity here. We do. Uh, a lot of the rabbits even that come in, if they're second, third, or fourth generation born out in the wild, they're not adoptable. They haven't been handled. So we've. We are moving away from uh, what in the past potentially was a conveyor belt of adoption to more rehab and rescuing mm -hmm. as well. So um, this is um, a really important part of what we're doing um, within the shelter. And I think it's something that we really need to talk about more. Yeah. So um, I think we are probably finished for today for our very first podcast. For sure. But I'd like to point out, if you adopt an animal, you're saving two lives, the one that you are adopting and also the one that can now come in and take over that space. I think there's nothing else to say. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>